Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform. With AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets. So you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. Here's my take. If Ethereum dies, it takes the lot with it. NFTs, DeFi, the lot. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast that takes you behind the scenes of how to grow your business, not just today, but tomorrow in the ever-changing world that we all live in. I am your co-host, Kit Bodner. I am joined, as always, by the amazing Kieran Flanagan. We have a crazy episode today, Kieran. We're talking with an old friend, a great marketer, and somebody who is blazing a new path into the world of Web3. His name's Matt Howes Barbie. He worked with us at HubSpot for a while, left to go to a company called Decentral Games. And what they do is they do play-to-earn gaming in Web3. Matt is also deep expert in decentralized finance and a lot of just what it takes to live, work, and operate in the Web3 world. And he's coming to us from London, which is normally known for having no sunshine. But the sun is pouring in behind you, Matt. You look tan. Like, I didn't realize it was sunny in the metaverse. What's going on, man? It's amazing. It's the the L.A. of Europe, I believe we we, we call it here. Matt, we would like you to play a game with us. Let's do it. It's, It's a game that we played once on this podcast. It was a raging success, largely because the internet hated Kieran afterwards. And so <laughs> we're, we're going to play a little game for you that we like to call Double Down Table Stakes and Kill. I'm in. So we're going to give you three options. And of those three options, you have to pick one that you're like doubling down. This is going to be big. I love it. Table Stakes, it's okay. We're going to keep going, but not really change much. And then Kill obvious. You're like, it's terrible. I'm out. I don't think it's a good thing. All right. So that's the rules of double tail and table stakes and kill. Kieran, do you want to frame up for Matt the first one that you would like him to to answer? What we're trying to do here is help our listeners understand the areas that you think are important for them to learn about. And so you can give context. So the first one is really like the pillars of Web3. I know there's more, but we want to use these three, which is NFTs, DeFi, and play to earn. So double down, table stakes, uh, kill. All right, I'm going to go with right now, if, you, if you're coming in, you want to learn a lot about Web3 in particular. And you let's say, are we assuming that this is more like you're somewhat new to the space? Yeah. I would kill DeFi. Ooh. And the reason why I would kill DeFi is, so I, I love DeFi. And I think it actually is just like a lot of the foundations of everything that we're building moving forward. It's also a rabbit hole that you can get lost in really, really quickly. Incredibly high barrier to to entry for just getting from zero to one. It's really, really challenging. And I think you need like good foundational knowledge before you go into that. And I think for a lot of people, they go in, it's just like, whoa, this is too much. And then they get lost. So I'd, I'd probably kill there. I think table stakes is NFTs. Here's why. So PlayerNan is ultimately made up of NFTs mm. and DeFi. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you need a base knowledge of NFTs to even begin comprehending PlayerNan. 
I think that play and earn, and the reason why I would like double down on play and earn is there's a lot of things broken in play and earn right now. And there's a lot of innovation that's happening and it blends together. And you can see how like the financialization of that starts to happen within play and earn economies and how micro economies are built through and with NFTs. Then I think I don't I don't want to kill DeFi. Like I love (laughs) DeFi, like probably too much. You can't go back and qualify the answers, Matt. The answers are what they are. I'm sorry. You have to kill it. You have to you have to Can I just like can I put it in like a coma? No, no, you, no. You've, ki- you've killed it. You've, <laughs> you've killed, killed it. DeFi. Didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that one coming. You're a big DeFi fan. I did not see that one coming. I thought it would be NFTs. I thought you'd kill NFTs. Matt, you're a, so you're in the marketing world. Like you're an incredible Web2 marketer, not an incredible Web3 marketer. For people in Web2, I think this is a good question for them to understand where they need to up-level if they want to get into Web3. Would you, same question around media, community, and brand. How do you think about that in terms of growing a Web3 company? Okay, so I'm going to answer this and then I'm going to add some additional context after this because I, I, I think a lot about this. But so we got media, brand, and community. So uh, I'm going to say table stakes is community Ooh, okay. Uh, okay. in this. Why? why? Why table stakes? Why not the double down? You were hedging there. Why'd you make the switch? Because basically like the starting point in Web3 is community. It's, it's like the foundation mm. is you have a community. If you don't have a community... You actually don't have anything. I think in Web 2, a lot of this is product first. And like you can be marketing led and still not be doubled down on community. And then it's like, okay, now we need initiatives to build out community growth and start like cultivating that. It's basically community first, product second a lot of the time within Web 3. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is definitely up for debate, definitely based on use cases, but it's table stakes. Is, is community. Like, you don't have that, it's nothing. Now, media and brand. This, this, this is a tricky <laughs> one. I'm going to kill... I'm going to kill media. Bold call, but Ooh. I think it's the right call. Tell us why. Ooh. The majority of ways that you acquire users, participants in the ecosystem, are almost like the polar opposite to within Web3. And a lot of it's driven through like a combination of enormous trust and really strong brand identity and trust in the team with an enormous outstanding community. Mm -hmm. And then you've got like these Web3 network effects that are somewhat akin to the product-led growth network effects that were often talked about just in like their different format. And actually, I think too much time and emphasis gets placed in media in Web3. And it's where you just see this huge investments in influencer marketing. You mm-hmm. see like major like media buys, Times Square billboards, which is just like the biggest top signal of a project you can ever <laughs> get. And a lot of this is like noise that what they're actually trying to do is nail the brand mm. piece. And they're, they're, they're going about it, in my opinion, in many cases, the wrong way. So I, I'm going to kill. Well, kill I think me. you made the, the salient point you made there was was something we actually haven't talked a lot about on the show yet, Kieran. And I actually think we should put a pin in this and come back and do a full episode on trust. Because you use the word trust and trust is really, really important. There's a lot of things when you think about brand that brand marketing can do for you. But trust building is one of those really important ones. And if you are in a transformational space, Web3, for example, is a transformational space. You're trying to have people take very different behaviors than they've taken before. 
they're not going to take that leap of faith without trust. It's also like radically transparent yes. as well yes. in ways that business models and companies and structures have never been before. So you can't buy your way to developing trust in many cases. Or you have these additional layers of shareholders inside Web3 where everyone, whether they are like an ecosystem, just like participant, if you're in play and earn a player, a community member, a, a, a seed investor, everyone has a financial incentive and are financially invested in one way, shape or form into you, the protocol, the project and the team. And they see everything because it's all public yeah. record. Anyone can see not only how much I earn, when I get it, what I do with it, is what I'm saying that I'm going to do for this project actually what I do? Well, outside of Web3, that's where trust comes in. In Web3, don't need it. It's trustless. <laughs> I'll just follow the blockchain. If you're lying, it's gone. Yes. It's over. And, it's, and that is like a huge piece. And you add in pseudonymity and anonymity into this mix. And all of this gets really mixed up. And there's like scam after scam. And it's just you're fighting upstream. So yeah. It can become an all-encompassing thing, for sure. If we think about community, like one interesting thing about Web3 is <clears throat> traditionally we thought about, and if you think about these in terms of size of circles as the size of the TAM for the community, like you, you start with community of product. The TAM for that is quite small. Like it's just people who use your product. Then community of knowledge. And then you have community of interests and hobbies. And that's typically like the three pillars you can have a community. Whereas Web3, you have a community of ownership. And it's harder to grasp, are they mercenaries or are they really in it for the purpose, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm in a lot of them, right? And I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get access to a play-to-earn chess game. And when you're in that community, because it's a community of ownership, it's hard to like distinguish between are they there for speculation or are they there for knowledge? Are they there for the brand? So Matt, how do you think about those people? How do you think about how you actually have to manage the people who are there for like speculation? Yeah, you know, so we're, we're governed by a DAO. Matt, explain for people what that is. Give everybody the real detail. There are a lot of people who probably don't understand what that means. Good point. So a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. And the way that this works is that the community ultimately have the final say on any and all operations, changes, major, minor activities that we do as a project. The, the way that this happens is you can think about this like an oversight board that proposes changes as well as approving changes. And they do this through voting. And voting is done through, in most cases, token holders. And it's largely weighted towards the more tokens you have, the more voting power you have. And for, for context here, right, this could be anything from, all right, let's just take a general approach, double the price of our NFTs. Right. And there needs to be a vote that gets put forward. The community votes on it. If it passes the criteria and majority, it goes through all the way through to fire Matt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fun. You're an elected official. Matt, can anyone suggest that? Can I go into the join the DAO and write a proposal to fire you? No, I actually put forward a proposal that you can never join our DAO. <laughs> and it passed. <laughs> So to safeguard me from these kind of malicious attacks that I've been used to. No, so for putting forward a proposal, there's often a minimum threshold. Okay. So in, in our case, for example, in Decentral Games, you have to own 100,000 tokens. Got it, okay. I mean, you can buy your way to that. And it, you can buy your way to firing Matt is what he's telling you, Kieran. <laughs> Worth it. 
And this is a big problem, actually, in governance. I could talk for an hour on this in the whole ethos of decentralization, Web3, and democratization of everyone being able to be an owner and have their say. It's like, yeah, but, you know, it's also built on, like, the traditional capitalist model. And there needs to be better governance. And that's that's coming in places. But yeah, that's a rabbit hole that we could go down on. But what, one thing I will just say about some of this is being governed by a DAO. There's a lot of great things about it. It's radically transparent. You truly do get a good understanding of what the community wants and people have a stake in it and they really participate and and have all of that. At the same time, being governed by a DAO can sometimes feel like being like a public company with activist investors trying Mm -hmm. to continuously Mm -hmm. steer the direction away from your plans. Except the biggest difference here is like those activist investors aren't Elon Musk. It's someone that goes under the name of like Psychic Frog 528, <laughs> right? So that's that's a challenge. So I guess Psychic Frog fired me today. How do I tell my wife and kids that? I'm sorry, daddy can't play with you today because Psychic Frog fired him and he needs to go cry. So that's like a challenge. But <laughs> the the thing, and I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but one of the big shifts is coming into this. It, there's an enormous mental shift that you need to go through when, and, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, actually, when I when I first moved over. The level of accountability that exists and expectation and demand for instant answers to both the most important and most mundane mm. questions at every hour of the day. It's like balancing that mental shift. The other thing with DAOs and with like Web3, there is definitely a big shift from certainly what I was used to in a public company like HubSpot in Web2 is the stock market opens at 9.30 a.m. and closes at 4 p.m., mm-hmm. closes on holidays, like Saturday and Sunday, yeah, and holidays. And the end of the day marks the end of trading. And I, I always try not to obsess over things like HubSpot stock price, but it's the way that you value, like a lot of your compensation, stuff like that. So you're thinking about it and the health of the company. It is always on mm. in Web3. Mm-hmm. It never turns off. Something can happen at 3 a.m. my time on a Sunday and token price tanks, and it's like war room now. And it's not like when it happens that it's bad. It's knowing that that can happen at any time. Yes, right. It's it's the mental shift of that that is definitely challenging. And I know a lot of people struggle with, and I think you've got to have a very good separation. Hey, Matt, just really quickly come back to the community. So when the stock price tanks, you do care about the people who are just there for price then. It's the community that you're trying to invest in. It's not just for the players. It's really for anyone who believes in the product. And so it's anyone who owns coins. Yeah, so I, I see this a lot in with Web3 projects where you can be like very anti-speculators and you only want people that really care about the project. Well, if you're a regular Web2 company and you need to bootstrap some capital as a startup and you've got some early angel investors and they give you some cash and they're like, hey, this is actually all I want to do, right? Like, I don't want to be involved. They have served a really important purpose for you and they are incredibly valuable. But if you then try and convince them, be like, hey, I need you to care and make this like center of your life, yeah. they're going to be like, well, no, that's not my, my role. And that, that's a, a very important role that's played by the, the community. Liquidity is like the lifeblood of, of Web3 and having people 
investing in, speculating on your projects, like assets, whether it be tokens, NFTs, things like that, can be very healthy for the ecosystem. It can also be very detrimental. The thing that you want to strive for is stability. Projects that have this crazy, massive surge in growth and attention. We see this a lot in play and earn, like good example being, which which has really started to hit the mainstream being Steppen and project that's just onboarded like half a million users, got loads of people really interested. And it's like, okay, the, the quicker they rise, like the quicker they fall. So you always have this piece. And I think what every project wants is stability, but what every speculator wants is the big rise and the big fall. So it's like balancing those two is really challenging. And it, again, comes back to your point, Kip, is it, it's largely trust. It's largely narrative versus actual tech. Okay, I, I have something I want to try on you both. I've been listening to this discussion. It's been really interesting. I have a metaphor that I want to see if it works for humans to take all of the tokens and the, the DeFi and all the terms out of this. If we think about Web 2 and Web 3, when you are living and working in Web 2, it's like you own a nice little house in the country. That house is yours. You kind of do whatever the heck you want with it. There's no neighbors telling you what you can do. You want to paint the outside of your house pink? Go nuts. You want to paint it yellow? Whatever. You want to put up a 20-foot tall fence? Awesome. Web 3 is like living in a development that has a homeowner's association. It's like, cool, everybody's there and they have this association because they want every, they care about the shared value of all of this real estate and they want the property values to maintain or go up. But to make that happen, there's like an, a shared accord. There's this association that's like, well, you want to paint your front door? We're going to have to agree to that. There's lots of ways you could extend that metaphor, but that's really what you're talking about is like that level of autonomy but also like isolation, less value, right? If you go paint your house yellow in the country, maybe it's worth less money, right? Well, where you're more likely to maybe increase your property value in a cul-de-sac, but you have to succumb to a bunch of extra delegation, votes, engagement. And the more engaged that association is, the better choices they make, the better the values of all of the homes in that neighborhood become long-term. And that seems, Matt, like what you're talking about. Is that... Is that a fair metaphor? I, I think that's a pretty fair metaphor. The only thing I'd add is that in the Web3 version of that, you have surveillance cameras that are on the inside <laughs> of your house that are publicly broadcast. Right. Yes. Is it not actually worse? Is it not that you were trying to build the actual house and a multitude of people are dictating how you build that house and they all have different tastes? Like One of the struggles that seems to be exist in Web3 is when you're a private company, you can make like all the decisions you want to make because you're not... You, like, you have a board, you have investors, but you can really focus on how do I just build an incredible company, right? How do I build an incredible product? What are the hard decisions I have to make? When you become public, it becomes much harder. You actually, then you do have Wall Street, but Wall Street are still not like thousand versions of Psychic Frog 55. And so in Web3, you're, you're having to build with the ups and downs of your stock price in mind from day one. And the people in Web2 is like, when I invest in Amazon or all these companies, I'm not in a community telling them how to build their product. No. I don't care. I don't care. Like, I don't feel as much ownership over that. I don't care as much. Whereas Web3, they feel deeply ingrained in these products. So how do you build a company when you have from day one a people who want to speculate on your coin pushing you one way or the other? And that's one of the things that I can't wrap my head around. So, so I like that aspect of the metaphor, right? And if we indulge on, on the metaphor a little bit more, right? So 
you're in the Web2 world, like you're in this isolated house, you can do what you want to it, you have complete autonomy, but you're a private company, you want to do any work, you got to do all that work yourself. Mm-hmm. It's DIY, yep. right? You got to do this. You go to the public markets, similar kind of situation, but you can now bring in contractors. Mm-hmm. So contractors mm-hmm. can help hiring them, but they don't have a as much of a shared investment. They don't see as much of that. Like they don't live in the house with you, mm-hmm. right? They leave after. In the Web3 world, yeah, like you have to pass all of these changes through the homeowner society, things like that. But they're going to pick up a hammer and... I, I don't even know what tools people use. I, I like I have a keyboard. Like what? A, like I don't know. Like a shovel. Like whatever. Right? A drill. That's a better one. They're gonna pick up a drill and they're gonna help. Right? If they agree, they're gonna help. They're gonna build with you, and and that's really valuable. Mm. And at scale, you can create something pretty amazing and incredibly like value additive. The the bootstrapping mechanisms for this is what's really good. Ultimately, though, with something that is in Web3, talk about like the token piece that you're, you're on about here, and you just have this constant liquidity that's being traded and passed through. Is you can get a handle of that and try not to obsess too much on it. You've just got a constant way of bringing in new ecosystem participants, getting them interested, mm. excited, and stri- ultimately your strive should be building stability, right? Yeah. I, I guess that's be a different way to frame that is, and this may be a great question for marketers listening as well, is like, how do you ship a product plan or an, and even a marketing plan when you actually don't have the final say so your community does? So it's been an incredible time that I've had in, in Web3 so far. I absolutely love it. It's been definitely the best decision I've made since when I decided to join HubSpot like seven years ago. And what I love about it is you work as a core team to come up with great, interesting ideas that are going to be incredibly additive to this product that you're building, community that you're growing. And then instead of saying, okay, how do we prioritize and ship these? You say, okay, how do we package this and get the community on board? And that is a core part of the marketing side of things Mm. is how do we influence this, this community? It's interesting. I would hate this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 much less bureaucratic. <laughs> this is a great topic. <laughs> it, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but you get great input as well. Like you get you do, crazy you do. input sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like the wildest ideas and that come out of this, but it really tests your discipline for building like great structure. And if you're really good at influencing people. I actually think that anyone that's operated in large organizations and knows how to influence internal stakeholders and senior stakeholders, you will be a great mm. leader in Web3. Hot take. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that is a really great point for people listening to this podcast is that you, you like in Web3, when you transition from Web2 to Web3, you're an influencer, but an influencer of a far bigger community, but that community can give you a bunch of great information back. One of the other things Kip and I talked about on the show, Matt, and then we can kind of get into it's just the differences between Web3 and Web2 for a marketer, is you talk a lot about governance, talk a lot about the community voting on your different proposals. When we looked at data, there was data to show that only like 0.5% of all wallet holders actually do vote. Is this really a thing? Is this like just a couple of nerds? It's way worse. Way worse. It's not talking specifically about decentral games, but Web3 at large, voter apathy is the biggest plague of governance. Mm. And I think it comes from a few different angles. One, you've got disillusionment in the fact that 
large whales can and will buy their way to passing a vote should they see fit. If you're um, like a smaller voter, you're like, does my vote matter? It's the the two-party politics system, right? I No one speaks to me. Why should I vote, right? I can't influence this. And that that extends into Web3 at a grand scale. And it's a, it's a problem right now. And I think that it's something that we're paying a lot of attention to and trying to reward ecosystem participants with more weight and voting power. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that Vitalik Buterin, the Ethereum co-founder, has been talking about as well around, you know, just even simple stuff like square rooting people's governance uh, voting, but that to one side. So then you've got that piece. Then the second part of this is, wow, it's hard to stay up to date with even when things go like governance proposals go live. Communication is horrendously difficult in, in Web3. The irony of all this transparency and being able to see every single person's public wallet address, but you actually have no way to get in touch with them. It's like when someone, I know there's a load of like really great projects, projects like XMTP and like building like the protocol layer of communication. There's there's lots of projects trying to do this. Wallet to wallet messaging is going to be one of the most critical pieces of infrastructure mm. that's built within Web3 for communicating within communities because there's so much noise in Discord. There's... So much pseudonymity that barely anyone wants to give you their email address, right? Twitter's Twitter. <laughs> and like, there's and Telegram, that gives me an aneurysm every time I go into Telegram. And you would not believe the kind of conversation, it blows my mind. Like we go with some of the most important conversations with major exchanges, things like that. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a face-to-face meeting thing. And they're like, Add me on Telegram. I'm Crazy Frog 519, and I'm the CEO of this. I'm like, oh, great, wonderful. It's just really hard to stay up to date yeah. with, with it. And it's difficult. Governance proposals, they can be like purposefully wordy and things like that. It's hard. So far, we, we've had a nice long chat. And my big takeaway is Web2, you have one boss that you don't like who doesn't listen to you or respond to your questions. And Web3, you have 100 bosses you don't like, don't listen to your questions, and you don't know who they are. That's, that's yeah, hard. Yeah, at least I knew it was Karen when I was at HubSpot. <laughs> you, know? you at least knew who you didn't like before, right? Exactly. Let's imagine a world where a lot of the Web3 stuff works out and a lot of marketers transition to Web3. Wow, that's a hard thing for them to figure out is you're marketing in the dark, even more in the dark. Like Web 2, we're going there, right? We're going to privacy, but this is, there's so much anonymity that it's going to be way harder to like figure out how do I build a marketing plan for all of the crazy frogs? What are my personas? And so I think for, for, for a marketer who, like maybe a good way to finish this, Matt, is if a marketer is listening to this and they're curious about how can I excel within Web 3, what are they not good at today because they're on Web 2 that they actually really need to be good at to succeed in Web 3? So when I think about a load of the big like epochs in marketing and the skills that marketers really cared about and what made them really, really valuable, you had the beginning of Web 2 and it was like inbound marketing. Mm. You're really strong at like inbound marketing. I think about organic search, paid acquisition, like these kind of like things in content marketing, you were incredibly valuable and those were the skills that you indexed on. And then came like product-led growth and it was like, okay, all of that plus I need to also be a good product manager and understand like engineering. And then you're like, whoa, you're really valuable. And now you can call yourself a growth hacker, right? And then you have like <laughs> Web3. And I think you have actually something really different. And you have this like community-led growth, which exists outside of Web3 for sure. But then 
economics. Mm. And I actually think mm. this is the most valuable skill set that you can bring is that in Web3, everything is financialized and everything has a direct economic input and output. And you need to focus on having a at least a basic, if not like pretty good understanding of micro and macro economics all the way through from building game economies in play and earn through to building like more financialized like DeFi protocols through to launching an NFT and thinking about the impacts of supply and demand and mm-hmm. all of this. They're actually the pieces. And I don't hear that enough because it is just like a core part. I would say as much as 70% of my time in my role as like a CMO in Web3 is economics. Mm, that's fascinating. And the remainder is been a marketing and growth and community stuff in, in, in complete honesty. That's fascinating. Like the economics is the PLG. So you're like understanding the product flywheel is understanding how your token economics can spin the flywheel of your community. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. Do you want to end, Kip, with the hard question? Yeah, so we have one, one last double down table stakes and kill a question, Matt. And what we wanted to do one that about things that most people who are probably listening to the pod, even if they're not a Web3 dork, would know about. And so double down table stakes or kill, I would say three of the top layer one protocols, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana. Ah, okay. Kill Solana. I knew, gonna, I knew, I knew you were going to kill. I actually knew you were going to kill Solana. Hot take. God, I wish I sold my Solana. Matt, I will, I will say, Matt told me to sell my Solana in January, and I should have bloody done that. No, I, I also just want to clarify. I am not like a massive bear on Solana. It's just like that team just cannot get out of their yeah, own way. They're... I think there's an incredible play and earn economy and game for economy being built on Solana, mm. which can't really exist across most other, well, can't exist across like big L1s like Ethereum. And that's really interesting. But yeah, kill that. Cue the tweets. Don't at me. <laughs> Table stakes, Bitcoin. Yeah, I'd have guessed that. For sure. It's got to be. I think you, you don't have Web3 without Bitcoin, is, is my opinion. And while Bitcoin itself doesn't actually play an active role, it's the trust backbone of, of this whole space. I like that. Double down Ethereum. The merge is coming. For any of you not that don't follow the painful year after year delay of the merge. <laughs> it's Ethereum's much anticipated move from proof of work, which is the high energy consuming mm-hmm. consensus mechanism you hear about. It's the thing that's killing the planet and all the polar bears more than anything else, more than fracking, <laughs> right? And, and, and it's moving to proof of stake, which is nominal energy consumption. And that is huge. They actually just moved over the test net of that somewhat seamlessly. I'm sure nothing will go wrong when we move the main chain over. Should be happening in the next couple of months. But all that said, Ethereum's ecosystem around it is enormous. Here's my take. If Ethereum dies, it takes the lot with it. Mm. NFTs, DeFi, the lot. Even though other chains have built out their own ecosystems, most of them are like what's known as EVM compatible, like Ethereum virtual machine compatible. So it's basically everyone builds competing layer one blockchains, standalone blockchains, but they still still have to make them compatible with Ethereum. So that's, uh, apart from Solana, that's why I'll kill it. <laughs> that's, that's my take. Yeah. I, I think that's an amazing overview of three of the really important 
a layer one protocols at Web3. This has been amazing, Matt. I hope that you'll come back on again. I think we are trying to take our listeners on a journey through marketing, entrepreneurship, but also the future. And Web3, we believe, is a huge, huge part of the future. Kieran, anything else you want to close us out with before we tell everybody goodbye? No, I actually, this is a good reminder to go buy more ETH. I was going to do that this morning. <laughs> so I'm going to buy more, going to buy more ETH. Hopefully it works out better than Vertcoin. <laughs> All right. Not, not, not financial advice. Not financial. Yeah, yeah. This is not, None of this financial is financial advice. advice. Don't, don't listen to Kieran. You heard all of his bad yeah. mistakes Oh, definitely don't listen this. to me. Every coin I buy goes to Z. Like I have a habit of buying something and I just tanking. So I'm the worst person. For short, me. short Kieran. Yeah, short yeah. my index. Fill an index of what, of what I bought and then short everything. But in all seriousness, Matt, it was amazing. We will talk to you again soon. Hope everybody has a great week out there and we'll see you next time on Marketing Against the Grain.